have a little time, so if there's anyone who'd like to ask any questions, I'd be happy to respond. Yeah. What do I gain from doing three months solitary? Yeah? No, I don't gain anything. <laughs> yeah, you lose a few things. You lose a few things. That's it. That's, you, I mean, you certainly develop uh, patience, <laughs> which is fantastic, and equanimity, because you know you might just go up and down, up and down. You, you, you know, you begin to recognise some of the patterns and how you get affected. You know, you can push a button and suddenly what happened 20 years ago comes flooding back and seems really intense. And you think, okay, it's just just a mirage. And you can also get some, you know, you can get some very lovely mind states. Your mind feels very bright, calm, and steady, and serene. So you know, just through the simplicity and the focusing in meditation the longer you stay with it, then it's like it starts to saturate you. So you get this very deep sense of joy and ease. So, you know, you, 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 what that, you can experience that. Um, and that's fine, you know. But, <laughs> you know, that's not the main point. The main point is I, th- I feel just realize, recognizing the time to recognize that every state of mind is not yours it's just the state of mind everything that manifests in your mind is not yours it just comes and goes dependent on conditions so this means therefore because of that one isn't hankering after any particular state of mind. One isn't dejected by any state of mind. Therefore, you don't tend to evolve yourself or invest in states of mind. And then there's a realization, you know, of a freedom that's not a state of mind. Yeah. I mean, the 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 problem. The drawback, you see, with a lot of three months retreat is that you can't do it very often, if at all. Many of you probably won't have the time to do that. Say, oh, if I did a three month retreat, oh, yeah. <laughs> or when I had a three month retreat, I did that. Now I've got to stuck with this. So there's, there's the snag in it, because we tend to then identify with that particular experience as then I was this and now I'm this. Well, he did that, but I can't do this. And so, it's really the, um, you know, I think the main theme of practice is just not a three-month retreat, but a lifetime of um, awareness, developing an awareness, checking, being aware, you know, and 
and most of us, I'm sure all of us, will greatly benefit from spending time really priming that in medita- through meditation exercises, you know, really d- tuning it, strengthening it, going back to it time and time again. It's like doing yoga or anything like that. The more you do it, you know, the stronger, the fitter you get. And yet, really, the aim is not the exercise. The aim is what the exercise, um, the strength of the exercise builds up in the mind and the view, the particular view that the exercise is the view of non-attachment, the view of non-self, the view of impermanence. Mm. When you have that, then a lot of the practice is really about meeting ordinary stuff. And I think one of the one of the pitfalls of a retreat is because you're in a fairly well secluded situation. Yeah. So many things aren't coming at you. Yeah. Nobody's pushing you, nobody's bothering me. <laughs> There's nothing I've got to do. So I think, hey, I'm, well, I'm really all right, you know. Then you, my feeling is you've got to be able to walk it down the street, see how long it lasts. Because <laughs> you learn a lot from just witnessing stuff in daily life where I get, you know, tense or wobbly or disoriented no, that's what I want to know I want to know also this level of my karmic tendencies when I'm in activity mode the kind of patterns and, and programs that run when I'm operating you know in, in the daily life scenario that's one want to check and ah there it is okay let's release that so I wouldn't say you know most of my life is not a three-month retreat and yet I don't see it as a a lack of opportunity but I would say that if you're not doing regular meditation then something's missing it could be of value yeah Mm -hmm. I was just reading Awakening Loving Kindness by And then I heard myself say to myself for probably the millionth time, I don't think I'm so afraid of my own death as I'm afraid of the deaths of the people I love. Mm-hmm. And just wondering if you comment on that little conversation I've had mm-hmm. Yeah, fear of death or fear of other people's death is fear of bereavement, isn't it? The emotional wrench of that yeah I, I, I sympathize I feel very much the same way because when I'm dead I won't, <laughs> I won't be there to feel it <laughs> you know but of course it's when you look at uh, we don't really witness that much of the process you know but in the dying can take well you know I mean really can take years of some pretty painful and disorienting experiences so that's certainly something one doesn't you know well, there's some apprehension about you know what's going to be like if I can't walk what's it like if I'm in pain what's it like if I can't see when my mind goes upside down when I'm you know that's uh, uh, a grim prospect if you visit places where people are dying or people falling apart mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, a friend of mine said he was with a guy who had some kind of cancer, and he said the, the fear of death had been replaced by the fear that he might live. <laughs> you know, he might have to keep on with this, staying in this for another year, you know, in this miserable pain. So when it's like that, you know, that's, death isn't a problem, but dying, dying is, can be. Um, so then, we, you know, it's like, really, how do we deal with pain? How do we deal with physical pain? How do we deal with emotional pain? You know, and then the emotional pain of seeing people you love and feeling you can't help them. The impotence sense of seeing them in distress and you you know you don't know what to do about it and you want to make it better but you, you know and uh, then they're gone and you have this enormous sense of a gulf a gap in your life where um, you know you keep going to that place and they're not there you know uh, and so forth um, <clears throat> I would say that you know, this is the major reason why we have to open the mind's awareness to its fullest. Mm. I mean, unfortunately, the tendency is with the painful is to, to close down. <laughs> you know, that's our tendency to, to shut it off. And well, tomorrow somebody else, not, not me, not now. You know, but it isn't somebody. It's just. It's all of us. So, you know, you're opening up. Oh no, you'll hurt even more. But actually, the 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 truth of the matter is that, that yeah, there is this shock and horror and distress. But you really open your awareness, then it gets bigger than the feeling. You know, you have different. You might say there's different felt experiences. One is the feeling purely in the sensory level, you know, physical feelings. What we might say is more the psychological feeling, distress, sadness, uh, frustration, you know, these gives difficult feelings, painful feelings. Another we might say is the feeling that comes with intention, that is, when I decide to be honest, there's a nice feeling in my mind. When I decide to let go, there's a nice feeling in my mind, a feeling of, okay, let it go, you know, that feels good. And there's a feeling that comes, call it a feeling, but the sense of, you know, when the mind really is very open, it's, it's hardly a feeling, it's just like a sense of vastness, and that allows the other feelings to move through, and they don't, they're felt, and yet they don't they don't bite, they don't knock you over. Um, so this is why we need to really, you can be, in other words, you can be with the feeling but not in it. And that's, that's a very simple way of, 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 of expressing a mode of practice. So you're feeling sad, okay, don't try to not feel sad, but rather than, oh, just this is feeling sad. Can you be with feeling sad without shutting it down, 
without going to a whole story about it without trying to get away from it but just to be with that and then the mind the, the being with it will come up with a quality of compassion or equanimity by itself you know, that, that helps one to discharge the feeling it gives the feeling some room to discharge you know it's like a like a, like an electrical current the mind is too closed the feeling can't get out you know that's what happens when people suppress the feeling they bottle it up but it stays there for years every, every now and then it keeps coming up again and the more repressed it gets the more violent it gets so when we open up it's like yeah you get the feeling but then you're being with it being with it and it's sort of it's like it, it discharges like it runs out and it, then it, it it's it's lost its power you know but not because we try to cut it down but because that's what it does it's its nature and I think for all of us you know we think when I think of my parents who are now both both dead I can think of those people and feel some sense of you know gratitude and and um, some sadness but I don't feel overwhelmed with it I don't feel overwhelmed with the sadness I don't feel bereaved it's okay to feel a little bit like that because <laughs> why they're good people <laughs> <You know? laughs> why, should, why shouldn't one but I don't feel knocked around by it all it's just a little piece of you know of one's emotional landscape that I accept you know as a human being we have to accept sadness as part of part of the emotional landscape nothing wrong with it. Yeah? Um, someone approached me recently and told me they would uh, like to learn to meditate because uh, their minds are very, very, his mind is very, very noisy. Um, but he didn't want to be a Buddhist. He just wanted to, just wanted to me- learn to meditate. And I was mm-hmm. just wondering what your response Fine. If you want to, you don't have to I wonder what he means by be a Buddhist. I don't know. <laughs> you want to meditate, you don't want to be a Buddhist. Well, fine, it might be good to get a sense of, well, what is a Buddhist and what is, you know, is it someone who wears robes? Do they have Asian artifacts around them? Do they light incense? Do they chant? You don't have to do that. <laughs> Can do. But perhaps it's... Um, you know, but I think it's also a person has to come in where they where they can really, and you know many people tend to approach you know, find that they're looking for meditation to make themselves a bit calmer. Well, if he hasn't meditated, he might have a few surprises in store. <laughs> That's going to make him want to become a Buddhist. <laughs> I had to realise all that chanting. Well, they're, they're, they're useful. <laughs> A lightning incense is useful. Devotion is useful. <laughs> it's not just wallpaper. It actually serves a purpose. But he doesn't know that. He'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of sadness, is part of the emotional landscape. Yes. 
that are wholesome emotions and unwholesome emotions and, and then a whole sea of stuff in between. Hmm? The, the wholesome emotions. Yeah. And unwholesome yeah. emotions. And, and where's when there's sadness and well, you know, sadness isn't wholesome or unwholesome. It's not. It's just the kind of, you know, tone. The unwholesome is things like, you know, anger and jealousy or depression. You know, or worry is unwholesome. Um, so, and then the wholesome is things like compassion. And compassion often has a, has a kind of definitely touches sadness. Uh, you know. But it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it's not, it's not lamenting. Mm. Mm. So, you know, the emotional landscape more or less deals with the rather like, you know, uh, uh, physical feeling. It's the mind has a, has a whole spectrum of feeling tones. So you can't say, say, you know, like a ache in your leg isn't unwholesome. It's just part of what, <laughs> what the body does. You know. <laughs> So you have to be with that and accept it. Simply aching your heart is not wholesome or unwholesome, but you can make something wholesome or unwholesome out of it. You can either go into compassion or you go into repression or something of that nature. Yeah. So if you like, it's, that's the, just the, the, the emotion. It's more like the, the, the feeling tones that run through the, through the mind, just as you get feeling tones that run through the body. Wholesome and wholesome really refers to particular, you know, psychological or physical actions that you do dependent upon those feelings, how you react, how you relate to those feelings. There's something in the back. Yeah. A question about the analytical mind. Uh, Certainly, it, it can be useful to uh, to um, to resolve problems and and uh, and in, in, in guidance of reflection and so on. Would you comment on um, uh, how you um, how uh, if and how you you spend time with the analytical mind and the reflective mind, mm. as opposed to the meditative uh, process. As opposed to the well, as opposed to meditation. The analytical mind. What's the analytical mind? Could you give me an example of an analytical mind? The one that's just sort of thinking things through. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or or, mm -hmm. or or trying to actively reflect. Have taken place, or things even that might have been. Uh huh. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's all. Can all be seen in in terms of meditation. In the word meditation isn't even a word the Buddha used. He talked about cultivation. So it's not. The boundaries are much wider than we might normally consider meditation. So there's a a range of cultivations you can do. Some of them are, we might say, you know, of an analytical nature, quality, that is, um, when I do this, what are the results? When I do that, what are the results? How does this happen? How does that happen? So this 
analytical reflective you know, so it's, it's that's an aspect of it because that's that's what we might call that's called um, investigation and, and that's that's an that's an aspect of proper cultivation of mind it's only through that that you you know when you do that you begin to get a sense of well what's good to put my attention on should I put it on this or that or put it here so then you get the sense of careful wise attention through understanding the patterns through witnessing the patterns that your mind goes through you see some patterns and you realize oh, this pattern is not to be followed so um, the Buddha gives examples you know like so a pattern that we might follow which seems fairly innocuous is um, well what should I do uh, what can I do what will I be why am I like this who am I having been like this what will I become in the future yeah. so but when you do that you can feel your mind just turning around and around this sort of in, in what isn't being touched into is the underlying quality of anxiety so wise attention is well where is where is the stress or where is the, where is the tension or where is the suffering now so when we, we begin to then penetrate the patterns of our minds with their, their scripts and their stories and their scenarios it gets the underlying emotional roots of those here's anxiety, here's worry here's restlessness, here's doubt this is stress, this is suffering where does it end? You know, what, you know so, so it ends when we first we have to acknowledge those uh, so all this is part of the meditative process and then what, what gives rise to, to stillness what gives rise to peace what gives rise to serenity then focusing, breathing in, breathing out you know, calming the mind that gives rise to a sense of ease and joy in the mind so ok let's do this so you start to sort of see through both analysis what, what you need to bring to mind what particular you know, first of all you need to you know, acknowledge where your dead ends are where your, your, you know, your, your just repetitive gerbil programs are we just going round and round in circles and where the ones are that, that lead you to a feeling of some fruition, some completion, some happiness and that gives you a sense of looking a little more deeply past the surface into the, into the underlying qualities for example if we said you know well sit here that will make you feel happy sitting here is going to make you feel happy, why? <laughs> Breathing out, maybe for, breathing out, maybe for happy. I've been breathing out for years. I don't feel very happy. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's crazy. But if you go deeper into it, and you really sit here and you really breathe in and out, then you do feel happy because <laughs> you've got into not just the surface description of the thing, but the the underlying quality of that. Seemingly, so, so also we can think, well, I, you know, I plan my life out and do this and do that. You know, we develop the planning mind. 
So it got me through university, got me a job, got me a car, you know, seemingly successful. Obviously, we, otherwise we wouldn't do it at all. You know? And yet when you go beneath the surface, you realise, well, this thing is just always running and never contented. It always gets you feeling a need more. So you, when you drop beneath the surface, then you see more, more immediately, ah, okay, these are the programs. So therefore, this is what, when I meditate, I'm going to dwell in this. I'm going to put that to one side. Yeah? So the, the process of this analysis and wise attention then, in a way, opens up the potential for meditation because it says, look, you know, put your, put your awareness here and then there it will open up nicely. You put it over here, it's going to keep getting snagged and it will be very difficult to open it. You know, because it just starts to get tightened up. So then the, the processes of analysis or reflection and wise attention are, if you like, the, the prologue to any deeper meditation. Yeah. Mm. And, prob- and I think a very necessary part of it. Mm. Then again, as you, when you've got to re-engage with your actions in your life, you want to actually bring some of that quality of care and, and wisdom to, okay, now I'm going to run some programs again. How am I going to do it? Which ones do I want to pick up? I've already checked this lot out. I checked out some of these things. That one's a non-starter. That one I've got to be really careful of. That one works occasionally. You know, so you, you know you want to actually analyse some of these programs so that they'll take you into meditation and also take you out on a good note. Yeah. Yes, gentlemen. Just interested. Uh, sometimes you hear stories about Tibetan mystics who use meditation to move to other worlds and, and, uh, other than the present. Um, as as a very seasoned Buddhist, uh, do you have any personal experiences in that? Moving to. Moving to other realms. Yeah, other than the present moment, there's a spiritual world, a universal consciousness. Well, I don't know about other realms. I mean, it seems that that uh, it may be just a, a more fancy way of saying into deeper aspects of the mind. Uh, there can be a spirit, spirit world. I mean, I believe Buddhism does recognize the spirit world. Oh, like yeah, like um, yeah, devas and yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely, I don't do, I don't do that. I don't go there. <laughs> I got my work cut out in this world. I don't want to take it anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, there are particularly particular mindsets and inclinations that go that way. Uh, yeah, but mine doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I've always based my whole interest in practice in how to, basically how to stop suffering. 
how to understand the stress that I create for myself, how to get through this, this realm, um, alleviating stress and tension and suffering and conflict. And uh, that seems to preoccup- take up <laughs> most of my time. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, and I, my feeling is that, that that's the most valid. Um, valid use of the Buddha's teachings. You know, he didn't say you've got to go to, to other realms. He said, you know, in order to get fully awakened, he, did, he, he didn't say you've got to go to other realms. You don't need to do that. You know, if you want to, you've got some spare time, <laughs> then maybe, but it's not, it's not terribly valuable. And it could be, I think, a bit bit of showmanship also, a little bit of a sidetrack, you, you kind of, you know, a little bit of a sidetrack from the main point. Yeah? Um, can you sort of work towards, you know, renouncing certain things, giving up, giving up uh, things and maybe uh, approaches to life that you have? I mean, it seems when it comes to other people, or there's some people easy to align with who like them, you can accept a lot. Working with them, other people are more difficult. And some other people are kind of down and impossible. They just seem to be in your face all the time, uh, taking from you. <laughs> uh, is it possible to really, how do you go about coming to really see the human nature in everyone? <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, irritating people. How to see the Buddha nature in irritating people? <laughs> Maybe there isn't one. I think the first thing to do is to find a way where one's own mind and heart isn't just snagging and reacting to other people's stuff. Yeah. That's the, that's the main point. Yeah. If I'm if I'm caught up in just irritation and frustration, then I can't see the Buddha nature in anything because <laughs> my mind is incapable of doing it. Yeah. So maybe you know I need to do some some work on myself, but maybe right now. I, I need more. I need a bit of space. I just can't manage it. You know, it's just I'm just too reactive. It just it just pushed too many buttons for me. So I, I can't. To be, you know, a certain sense of honesty and humility is well. Yeah, I, I don't don't mean you any harm. I really don't want to harm you, but I just can't. <laughs> I just can't do. Anything. I just feel really frightened or averse or irritated or frustrated. I need to sort of get back a bit. You know, so so the sense of boundaries is important. This is not just an idealism. A sense of I can only take so much before I just start to lose it. So then, some boundaries are necessary, um, and that's not that's going to do everybody some good. Because if I'm if I'm stuck with somebody who irritates me constantly, sooner or later I'm going to lose it, and I'm going to do or say something I regret. You know, so it's it's good for everybody to you know, some boundaries are useful. Then perhaps within that boundary, my own mind can come out of its reactive state, and I can reflect a little bit, like, well, you know, 
<clears throat> okay, so okay, so here, yeah, he, okay, I'll grant you, he is irritating. He does say irritating things, and he does do irritating things, and I believe he thinks irritating things. And <laughs> yeah, and it irritates me. But <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't actually physically attack me. <laughs> yeah, grant you that. Okay, and so he starts to just put some relative relative reflections in it. It's relatively irritating, and then can I look at maybe one bit of him that doesn't irritate me, and maybe his left ear, <laughs> <laughs> or the fact that you know he he patted a dog. Or that maybe you know he he said good morning to the to the to the person at the door in one little bit. So you you try to actually pick up the little bit of non-irritation, sort of expand your awareness of that. Not because you're trying to just ignore the rest, but just so that you don't perceive the person purely as the irritating behaviour. Everybody has behaviour. Yeah. And some, you know, behaviour is, is just is, is produced. It's 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 comes through karma, old karma. Um, what's this guy had to live with? I don't know. What did his parents do to him? I don't know. What you know? So before, so I can perhaps think, you know, I only have to see this person, you know, three hours a day. He has to live with himself twenty-four hours a day. You know. <laughs> A sense of what must it be like to live live under that skin. Jeez. So feeling of perhaps then I can get some compassion. I think this guy's stuck with this, um, and like me, he wants to be happy. Like me, he doesn't want he wants to be loved and hated. Like me, you know, he doesn't he fears death. Like me, he doesn't want pain. Like me, he probably has things he rather enjoys. So I start to see those things, and then some of that tension around him can just soften. Yeah, it doesn't mean he doesn't do irritating behaviours, but that's not his some ultimate self. That's just like a disease that he's suffering from. Yeah. And I see, you know, underneath that is probably someone who's frustrated, would like some love. You know, would like to feel good about themselves, just like me. So maybe I can at least not add more bad stuff to. To he must irritate a lot of people. You know, maybe I could just, you know, not at least not do that. I could try and check, and just try to bring in some other perceptions of this person that will at least, you know, sh- shift my mind's gearing. In, in relationship with him, and then, then think, this guy's teaching me a lot, you know. I mean, people who don't give me a hard time don't teach me very much. <laughs> he's, te- he's taught me a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're a Buddha. <laughs> it's just turn nine. Do we have to finish at nine? No, okay. I'll just take a couple of questions more.
very gentleman. Aloneness. Mm-hmm. There's an ultimate fear. Uh-huh. I just would be interested in, in your conversation on that, of your personal experience through meditation. Conversation with being alone? Yeah, like whether you have, whether that has mm-hmm. been an issue with you, well, what your yeah. voyage has been. You know, kind of well, I spent, I've spent considerable periods of time relatively alone. And you might say, in some sense, we're all alone. You know, in some sense. Um, but there's difference, the difference is that uh, what loneliness is, is not belonging. Aloneness isn't a problem, but loneliness is not belonging. So you can be alone, yet still belong. And what you belong to is you have a sense of a cosmos or a value or a fellowship or meanings you feel you're with, you know. So <clears throat> the sense of the sense that the negative sense of alone, which I would call loneliness is when there's nothing around you that you feel connected to or you feel valuing or you feel meaningful so even though it can be living in a city of a million people there's all these bodies moving around but you still feel very lonely because nothing doesn't actually connect in fact you feel more lonely than if you're on your own because on your own you're not getting this continual message of who's that? you know, the sense of disconnection which can occur in in these large cities it can be very, very lonely places Um, whereas another sense you can be kind of like a hermit somewhere and still have this feeling of your friends or your teacher or your inspiring beings who've been in your life and feel bonded to them, feel you belong to them, feel you're with them Um, so what you carry in your heart uh, is what you connect to where you get the sense of of a a solitariness that is not lonely in some ways as I said, one level we're all alone, you know I can't feel your feelings for you I can't get into your mind and do things, you know. As I said before, if somebody, dear, dear one is in pain, in a frustration of I can't make it go away, it's yours, you're with that. You know, there's a sense in which we're all separate. If we just, but then, and unfortunately that aspect of, of our lives can be that which is most acknowledged because also that sense of separation can be enhanced well this is mine, I'm getting mine I want this for me, my place you know. so if we live like that 
then we, in a way, we enhance the sense of myself as a separate individual. We live at that level because right now it's pleasant. But then it flips over when it's unpleasant, you're stuck in it. Yeah. Whereas if you've practiced sharing, generosity, thinking of other people, connecting to other people, empathizing with other people, then you're never alone. You know? You're never alone in a negative sense. You have a sense of, of connection and empathy that keeps you free from fear. I'm going to stop there for tonight. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your questions.